Camera speeds. Hey, Mark. Hello, and welcome back to the Focus Polar at Work podcast. My name is Nicholas Brown, and I will be your host. Today, I'm speaking with Nick Cutway, a first AC based out of Los Angeles, California. Nick and I discuss why he prefers the Preston Fizz, how he misses working with film, and now he has a lifelong connection with another Focus Pull at Work guest. Enjoy. All right. Uh, welcome back. I'm here with Nick Cutway, who is a first AC. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for being with me. Thank you, Nick. So are you, you're based out of LA, right? Based out of LA. Okay. Is that where you're from? Um, I'm from Detroit, Michigan area. Okay. How did you, how did you get into the business? Like what, uh, tell us how you got into this. Um, well, basically in high school, I was going to go to college, normal university for engineering or something else like that. And, um, I kind of had a point of at high school doing all these like AP classes and like, I don't really want to do this and sit at a computer or like deal with this kind of stuff every day. And, um, I had one elective class open and one of my good buddies was like, I'm going to take a film class in high school. And I was like, sure, I'll take a film class. I got like one open class. Let's do it. And then we just kind of made, you know, high school films and stuff. And after that first edit of shooting something, I was like, wow, this is pretty fun. And, you know, a lot different and everything kind of changes. It's not, you know, a very uniform job. And then he's like, well, I'm going to Florida to full sale for college. And um, I'm like, here's all my info, I'm doing this. And then I decided to just go with him and uh, go to film school. Nice. And is this friend that we are discussing, this is actually someone who's been on the podcast before, right? It's Justin Simpson. Yeah, it's Justin Simpson. Yep. It's so interesting that you guys ended up on the opposite sides of the country, essentially doing the same job. Yeah, it's pretty funny. How did that work out? Did you guys just decided to go separate ways after college or what happened there? Uh, well, we both went back to Michigan in college, and then I kind of went straight for it and tried to get on set. I kind of knew I wanted to do camera stuff, um, and then I ended up like going to the rental house and then figuring out the local firsts in town, and then basically got myself on a job as a PA, got to really see how everything was like outside of film school, and I was like, okay, this is definitely something I want to do. I definitely like the camera assisting and the focus pulling. All that stuff is really cool. So I just kind of went from there. And then eventually that trickled into like a film incentive coming to Michigan and then needing crew. And then I got into the union pretty quickly as a loader just because there are so many jobs. And I kind of got in right away. And I don't think Justin really did anything until he moved to New York, but that was kind of something he always wanted to do. And then we had a few other friends from film school that all were planning on moving to New York and then he just ended up doing that and I stayed in Michigan for a while and eventually moved to LA because just all the crew that I met were from LA and I really wanted to like go to the west coast and the mountains and everything um, and that's why I ended up where I did. Nice and when you say you said that you uh, went to the rental house did you work at a rental house to begin or did you just go there and like introduce yourself to people and just get names and contacts? Yeah, basically, I just figured out who worked in town, got like a list, started contacting them, and they told me to go to Stratton Camera in Michigan. Then I went there, met the owner, and just kind of like, he let me like learn equipment. He taught me a lot of cool stuff. 
and eventually just introduced me to the DPs and the local crew that were all working there. But it was nice because he was like a legend tech back in the day, is like really good with film cameras and lenses. And I just learned like a lot of the like really technical stuff with the camera and just outside of film school, you don't really learn like how to build a camera, do all that kind of stuff. So it was fun to like just learn and practice. And eventually I just met um, one of my mentors, Sean, and he's like, hey, you want to come to this job for free? It's shooting like all over Ann Arbor, Michigan and blah, blah, blah. And then I just, you know, met everybody and that's how I kind of got in and met like all the crew that worked locally. And then eventually that became like a loader position. Nice. So you, you, you basically worked as a camera PA, but you were like more like an intern for a little while. Like they didn't pay you, but you got to come and like work and do the job and stuff. Yeah, basically, I think I did that one job. It was like maybe two days. And then the next job I did was like maybe driving the camera truck on a job, on a commercial. And then after that, I was just like got offered a loading position on a movie. And I just took that. And this is film loading. This is all film loading. Yeah. Nice, man. That's like a that's like a really niche job now, isn't it? Like because everything's almost digital. I think like film loaders make more money now. It's like a tech rate or something. Yeah, it's pretty rare. It's definitely coming back more recently. But um, yeah, back in the day, it was all film. There wasn't like really any digital jobs. Like when I started in two thousand nine, it wasn't um, the red camera and all that stuff wasn't even out when I started. Wow, that's pretty wild because. I know everyone's going to want to, you know, shoot me for this, but I've actually only done one film job in my life and it was a commercial with some friends because when I got into the business, you know, 10 years ago, by then mainly everything was digital at that point, unless you were, you know, unless you were on like a, you know, a big name director movie who's, you know, fighting to use film constantly still. I would still love to work with it some more though, because it's such a, you know, it's history. Yeah. I mean, it's just really cool. I'm glad I learned that way. And had those people, you know, teach me how to be a camera assistant with film and how the set gets ran and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. Like, it's kind of, it's like a different kind of stress being a loader, but it's also like super fun and you're just busy the whole time. And it's just like nostalgic, I guess. Right. So as a first AC, do you, do you have a favorite like uh, lens control system you use? I know obviously like I, the, the people, anyone who's listening, I actually just did a job with, with Nick Cutway. So he and I got to work together. I worked as his second and you use a Preston. Um, you, I believe you own that Preston, right? So is that your favorite LCS or is there something else that you also enjoy using or what do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I enjoy using the Preston. Um, that was basically the industry standard when I started, but it was obviously like only specifically used for cranes or Steadicam or handheld sometimes but like when i started everyone was still on focus wheels on the camera um and like you'd randomly like get to prep a fizz and it was kind of always fun with like the old rings and you get out the like paper tape and you mark everything and you seal it with like um clear tape and all that stuff and you like make them different colors and you put them on these like cool like pvc tubes so they're like easy to get but like now it's just kind of a thing where the speed of everything is just totally different and less people they want on set especially like COVID, all the stuff. So everything's remote now. Um, and I've just always liked the Preston because it's like really reliable. It's uh, super durable um, and just very used to that fixed ring situation. So like every lens feels the same as long as you're using the hand unit. Um, I just had issues with like WCU4s, like losing signal and 
not always working and I tend to be really close to the camera anyway. So all of the like remote camera control stuff doesn't really bother me. It's not, it's not really too hard to just get to the camera and do things either with like me or the second. So that's generally why I like to use them as the most. Right. I actually haven't been on many jobs where the, well, well I mean, WCU4 jobs, but even when I have been on WCU4 jobs, I don't really know a lot of camera assistants, first ACs that use the like camera control function. Most, every single job I've ever been on one of those, people still want to get up next to the camera and, t- you know, touch the camera, use the dials on the camera. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like, you should be close and sometimes it freaks out or whatever, even like using it at your phone and stuff. But I think it's just better to like visually see and make sure everything's okay. Right. Is there any other gear that you think a first AC, I mean, not necessarily that a first AC needs to own their own LCS, but is there any gear that you think a first AC should own? I think you should own probably your own monitoring system and how you like to do that. And just so you know that it's going to be consistent and the same every time you use a camera or any other camera and that, that you don't have to worry about things being unavailable for rental through any sort of rental house. But I think that and just all your little like AKS, your like rigging stuff and all those like little toys that you need that just make your life easier and consistent and you can adapt to how the camera needs to be built if it gets thrown in wherever. You're just able to have like those options instead of just like one way to build the camera. So I think just those little things that we all spend our tons of money on to really just help us like be able to be way more flexible with how the camera needs to be built. Yeah, I was thinking about that recently, like thinking about like eventually when I do move up, I was thinking I don't I haven't collected all those things yet, you know, like um, monitoring, like bracketry and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking, man, I should probably start just slowly buying things now, because if I were to get thrown in immediately as a as a first, you know, like full time on a show or something, I think I would have to rely on the rental house to give me most of that stuff. And I don't know if I would trust that I would be able to get everything I needed to be able to adapt, you know, on in the in the moment, you know, on set when they want to change something, you know. Yeah, and that just you'll you'll like figure out what you like and what's what works for you as you you know as you just put in the time. Once you're once you're doing it, you like oh maybe this little thing will help me in there. You just you just kind of get your own little like like ways of working. You've worked with a lot of camera systems. What do you think is your favorite camera system to use? Which one do you trust the most? As far as like cameras, yeah, like cameras, like the Airy, you know, Alexa versus you know, like a Red camera or Sony. I like them all. I really like the Sony Venice. Now it's, I like. I guess the only thing I really like about it is that the fact that there's the menu on the body itself. It's not on the eyepiece. Um, I do a lot of Steadicam when I work, and that's just super easy for me to pull everything off, and then I can still control the camera. And then obviously, if you can train your operator to do the nds that's awesome and then like like that yeah exactly (laughs) it's awesome it's like my favorite thing and i'm like hey nd3 oh sweet thanks um i think that's like just a really easy camera to work with and you know it's you'll be shooting a night exterior at 2500 iso and we'll be putting nds in it's crazy so i think it really helps out dps too if they you know can understand how to light the contrast with that it's really awesome you know what I like about the Sony Venice? I like that as a second AC, uh, you can power that thing down when you're not using it and it powers back up in like three seconds. You know what I mean? If you want to, if you want to save battery for two minutes, that's no problem. You're, you're not worried about like them calling your camera in and then having to like wait 35, 40 <laughs> seconds for the Alexa to power back up. You know what I mean? 
So I give him, I'll, I'll give him props for that. Definitely. It is kind of a pig though. It can get pretty heavy, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> what do you think is one of the most challenging jobs that you've had, like as a camera assistant and like, how did you rise to the challenge and, you know, achieve the goal of, you know, completing the shot or was it a tough shot or was it just a tough day? Like, what do you think? I mean, I feel like I've had tough days. I don't think I've had one project in particular that was really hard. Um, early on, I just had issues like being like working hostile crews that were you know demeaning or mean, um, judgmental, or just always trying to like cause problems and just not knowing how to like deal with that, handle that, and handle like being angry, upset or you know, any kind of emotions like that. Um, but you know, I started when I was 20 years old, fairly young, um, had a lot to learn just in general as a life. And I think I've had just really hard times just being like, wow, I don't feel like this is right. I'm getting really angry or people are being rude. And like having that like show or people notice or like you know, yelling, whatever it is, getting angry. I think that is something that was, it was really challenging early on just to get over because you, I guess in the past more, there was just a lot more toxic right. sets. Do you feel like that toxicity, you reacted to it in a way because of, like you said, inexperience or is it just, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, how do you think you learned to overcome that in a more like positive manner? I feel like just learning how to be aware of that this is not a good environment for you to be working in. So you should just leave, figure out a way to get out. So you don't involve yourself in it any longer to make you know things any kind of worse. And also to really separate early on, it's hard because you're just trying to find work, trying to like make a career, trying to build relationships. So you just put a lot of pressure on like getting to that job. Whereas I feel like it's more important to put more work into like finding people that appreciate the work, appreciate the people and appreciate the project. Um, instead of just finding people that want to do the project and don't care about the rest of it. Um, Cause now at this point in my career, I'm really happy that I just basically get to work with people that I know and people that I like and people that I like really respect. And I know that, you know, we all, if we're in the industry now or we are trying to get into this industry, we all have to start somewhere and we all did start and we all figured it out. So you can always like do it again and you can just find better people. And I think that's like way more important now for me is to like find those relationships versus just trying to get the work or trying to get the job. Do you ever, do you ever think back on like some of those jobs that you had in the beginning where people, you know, you feel like people treated you unfairly and you, cause this has happened to me where I look back on some jobs where I was like, man, that guy was a total a-hole. And then I look back and I, as a camera assistant now with all the experience that I have at this moment, I look back and I go, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't really being an a-hole. He was just reacting to my inexperience. And like, you know, sometimes when you're on a film set, especially in the beginning, like everyone expects you to be able to do your job. And if you're not doing it as efficiently as you, you know, need to be as someone who's experienced, it can cause some, you know, frustration with the people above you. Have you ever looked back and just thought, oh, maybe I was just too inexperienced to be on that job or, you know what I mean? I think maybe in a little bit, but I also think there's this level of understanding of like, you hire this person, they should be forthright of like their abilities and knowledge and the people hiring them should also be understanding of where that person is in their career and skill set. 
And if you like say yes to the job and they say yes to the job, then they should know that like that's what you're getting. Like you might have to teach this person, you might have to explain things a little bit differently, but you know, each of us, the higher E and that person being higher, or the higher and the higher E both need to understand the level of abilities that's gonna come with hiring somebody. And um, and it's just not nice, you know, just be nice. That's like, it's easy, it's, you, you know, you can't, if I just went and said, oh yeah, I know how to do this job, and I didn't, and I got hired with that person knowing the fact, then yeah, it's my fault for saying yes to the job and not knowing or not informing them. So it comes kind of both ways. But if like if you put yourself forward and tell them you know this is where you're coming from, and then they're super frustrated at you, then yeah, it's probably not the best relationship to be in. Um, and you can only control how you react to it. But yeah, I mean, people can't get frustrated over that. But you just be nice and ask questions and you know work as hard as you can. Right. I think that that's obviously number one. That's a very valid point. But number two, it's like there was there was an entire. I mean, just like you, I I dealt with that you know, coming up in the business. And I think there was an entire generation of people that just got like abused. And then now they're in charge or they were in charge. And like, when I first got into the business, I think that was kind of, they were slowly starting to get phased out. So I was still dealing with some of those people, you know what I mean? Where it was like, I feel like nowadays, you know, based on my experience, like you show up on a film set, you're there to get a job done, but also have fun while you're there, you know, getting the job done. And I feel like, from stories I've heard from, you know, older people that have worked in the business, like it used to be very strict and very like, you know, everyone needs to be quiet, and, which obviously you have to be quiet on a film set, but you, I mean, you know what I mean? Like it, it's slowly phasing out that whole mentality of like, everything's got to be very serious and we're making a very, you know, serious motion picture. And like, now it's more like we're going to make a movie and we're going to have fun making a movie because it should be fun. Yeah, and it should be fun, and there are things that, you know, the super strict way to run a set is there are very good benefits from all that stuff, and there's definitely a time and a place, but it's like, it's, yeah, we should all be having fun and enjoying this job, it's, it is super fun, you know, obviously there's situations where we get taken advantage from with time or whatever, but, you know, we're not, we have a fun job. We get to go to cool places and, you know, we end up making a movie, a show, a commercial, whatever it is. And, um, yeah, we should have fun. And, and I think the more experienced and the more efficient you are at your job, the more room you have to be fun. If you're, if you're, you know how to do everything and get everything done safely and correctly, then you can have fun. You can, you can, you can put that in to the day. Yeah. I think that's how my experience has been. Like the, the, more years I put into the business and the more jobs I've done, the better I've gotten at my job, the more fun I've had because I have to, I don't have to worry as much about like stressing myself out about screwing something up, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you think makes a good camera system? That could be a loader, second AC, first AC. What do you think makes, or like qualities of a, of a good camera system? I think um, just being, one, being nice, being quiet and being tentative and listening is a key point to any camera assistant and basically how the camera department works. You're always trying to make the person, the people above you's job easier. So really understand what everyone's roles are and what they need and how they work and their, even their specific preferences for all these things, whether it's like kind of coffee or tea they like or how they like their camera built or, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's really important to just make their lives easier so they don't have to worry about other little things. They can just do their job. And um, that just goes full 
you know, it goes, goes up line and it makes the whole day and the whole department run really smooth and everybody's thinking about each other. Um, then obviously, you know, you got to understand how sets are ran and, you know, you got to make sure everything's safe, everything's accounted for and all that kind of stuff, like the very meticulous stuff. But really, it's all about listening to set, understanding what the setup requires, um, listening to your operators and your DP and all that information that you can get will just stem down and then everyone just do your tasks and, you know, let people do their jobs and let people run the things that they need to run and um, just help each other out. Nice. So uh, continuing with, with that, do you have any advice? Let's pretend like there's a second AC listening who wants to work with you. Is there anything that you think that you and a lot of other first ACs that you work with, you all have in common as far as things that you look for as far as good second ACs, for example, or a good loader? Like, what do you, what are the qualities that you look for in someone that you're going to hire? Um, I like people that can obviously be really um, quiet, can be really nice, are totally like, don't get stressed out and like panic. Um, but they also just need to know, like, be there if they're on set, especially if it's the first time I'm working with somebody. I guess want to watch them on set and see how they react to things, see how they interact with the other crew, um, see how how they can observe what's needed and when it's needed just by seeing everything. Like every all the answers on set are out there. You just got to pay attention and see. You, then you know like what's coming next, what needs to happen, where things need to go. Um, it's just important to like be able to react to that environment and just be aware of everything. Just be constantly observant. That's like, you know, we're technically just always anticipating, but always like waiting for something. And then we're reacting like that's the job of uh, our, our camera assistant. But I just think people who need to be, you know, really tentative, observant, nice and quiet. But also like, I don't know if like a lot of times, you know, seconds want to be first and loaders want to be seconds and everyone's like thinking about the next job. But I think it's really important to when you say yes to a job, whatever that role is, that you are invested in that role. So I don't want to hire a second who thinks they're a DP and then the whole time they're talking about shooting stuff. Like, that's really cool. I appreciate that. But, you know, I'm hiring you for this. And I, you know, if you want to learn this stuff, I'm more than happy to teach you. But I don't really want to do that if you don't want to do it. You know, it's, I, don't, I want, you know, it, I wanted to be like a second for a long time when I was a loader and I was just waiting for the opportunity and then it came and it's like, I feel like it's a little bit more fluid now. People just kind of ride up or wiggle through and they're kind of just like, oh, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do that. But like it was, especially in a smaller market in Detroit, it's just like, all right, I got to wait until this like opportunity happens and, you know, just work hard at my job now until I can get that opportunity. And I think that's really important still to like be devoted to the job that you say yes to and the role that you say yes to. Um, to add to that some more, uh, I, I wonder, you know, you've you got a lot of experience. Obviously, you've been a first AC for how many years now? Um, like eight or nine years. Wow. Uh, so you've worked with a lot of DPs. What do you think? So prospective uh, first ACs. So there's there, if there's some second ACs listening for the that want to be first ACs. What do you think that are qualities that you have learned, like that DPs want out of a first that you you know, qualities that you have now that you've done the job for so long. What are some things that you think every first AC should have quality-wise to please a DP? Well, just like we talked about before, um, my job as a camera assistant is to make well, the DP not think about anything that we're dealing with. 
they should just go up to me and say, I want this lens on this camera at like this height or wherever. And then that should be done. And that should be like the most amount of energy that they're thinking about. You should be aware of like what the stop was like. You should be aware of like matching distances if you're like going and turning around, all these kind of stuff, keeping track of all that stuff. And you just have to be like thinking about, you know, he needs to think about, or he or she needs to think about lighting. They need to think about, um, the direction, the screen direction, anything about blocking. There's a lot more stuff they got to deal with and they also got to like make the day. So the faster and more efficient that the first can be and help run the department is just going to make the DP's life easier. Basically, if they're just like, all right, here's a job, blah, blah, blah. You go on set, they don't have to worry about anything. That's the kind of work that most DPs like. And also DPs, if they're operating or whatever, they also want first that are like engaging with their operators and the valley grips and like helping figure out shots, help solve solutions, be there to help with blocking and, and screen direction and matching. Um, just be like involved with the set and help all of that stuff out and, you know, be double eyes for the operator for the boom pole, shadows, stuff in the frame, all that kind of stuff. It's just really important then, you know, obviously staying calm, not stressing out, being quick and obviously keeping things in focus and the camera from dying and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like having a, a a really strong second AC is like pivotal for you in that success? Because obviously, like if you're, you know, if you're like saying letting the camera die, like you shouldn't really have to worry about that. If you have a a solid second AC, you shouldn't really have to think about the batteries. Honestly, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's where the thing. It's like teamwork and. We all look out for each other and the day go by, goes by easier. If you have more eyes thinking about stuff, yeah. And it's like very awesome when you have seconds that deal with all these little things. And I'm very okay with seconds like running a ton of things that they like to run and like figuring out where the carts need to go or doing the marks and batteries and dealing with all that stuff. Like I don't have to do it, I can, but if you want to do it and they want to do it and they have their own specific ways. I'm not going to tell them how to do it as long as, you know, yeah, the camera doesn't die and I get a lens when I ask for it, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't really care how it's done as long as when we need something or something needs to happen, it gets done and everything's, you know, safe and not getting, you know, damaged or whatever, I guess. Um, seeing as how you've been a first AC for eight years now and in a camera system for even longer than that. Are there any specific examples of like mistakes that you may have made, you know, throughout your career that you, you know, you made and, and then you luckily you learned from them and it made you who you are today as an AC? Sure. I think, um, obviously in most situations in life, you learn a lot more from like failures or doing things wrong. Um, you know, as a film loader, I've, flash bags. I've had to go up to DPs and, uh, you know, first and say, like, we lost this role. I, you know, go through camera ports and figure all that stuff out. And, like, obviously it sucks to say that, but you have to, like, do those things and, like, learn. And then you just learn how to, you know, manage, you know, equipment. And if you're the loader, you're, you know, dealing with ins and outs and not messing up, you know, when these things need to turn back. There's definitely times where I forgot to, like, send a hi-hat back and things like that. And then figuring out a system to, like, help mitigate from that ever happening. And then just, I think the other parts, just like dealing with crew, um, you just learn how to like talk to people. You learn how to like contact sound and VTR before your prep and learn how, you know, what they need or what you need to have and communicate that everything's going to work 
when you get there on the set and then you know if you're doing like other crazy stuff you might need to call the key grip and be like we need extra stands and sandbags and blah 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 there's definitely times i've done commercials and forgot that we you know had like way too many uh monitors and we needed like sands and then on the day that you know the grips are like well we only have like so many sands like next time you gotta like let us know and we can just order more for you and all that kind of stuff so you definitely learn that and then just dealing with people like dealing with stress not getting you know upset or not getting in your head when you mess start messing up shots and stuff like that just learning how to like mitigate your just emotions i guess is is really hard and just understanding that like not everybody's gonna give you like a high five and you know praise you and that's okay. We're just here to do the job and do the best we can. And if you can just communicate with everybody and tell you know your team what needs to be done, and be really efficient and like honest about everything, then everything generally is okay. Did you ever like coming up when you were first pulling focus? Did you ever? I mean, did you ever just like stress yourself out about every shot? Like, I feel like sometimes when I pull focus, I will, I will know that it's sharp but I will second guess myself while I'm doing it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, it's because I'm so like, you know, pretty new to it. I mean, not, not, not like new, new to it, but like, I don't, haven't done like a full show as a first AC or anything, but like, I'm like, am I just blind and they're going to walk up to me afterwards and tell me that it was soft and they never do. But like, did you ever have that? Or have you, you are just kind of really, blind though, yeah. really confident as a first? <laughs> What'd you say? Your, so you are kind of blind. I've seen your glasses. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, there was like a job I worked with um, the time before I worked with them as a loader. And then I hopped on a show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was the second and then became a focus blower. That's when I bumped up. And during one of the high season hiatuses, uh, the production coordinator from Brooklyn Nine-Nine was like, hey, I'm doing this pilot. We need like an extra C camera first. And then I look it up and it's like this big DP and like first and second that I was loading for. And they're like, you know, super high end. And I was very nervous. I'm like, oh God, like I don't know what I'm doing. But I said, yes. So I show up and, you know, you have to use all the equipment that they have. And I was pretty nervous, but everyone ended up being really nice and like helping me out. And, you know, it was fine. It was totally fine. But that was probably like a really big breaking point for me being like, oh, okay, like I think I'm okay with accepting these jobs. I don't know if I'm ready, like ready, ready to be a like, full-time focus puller. Um, but that was definitely a huge turning point of being like, all right, that the like emotions kind of went away. Um, and then after that, going back to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, my operator, who was Rick Page, who was a camera assistant for a really long time, he was my operator. And he just taught me a ton about like focus pulling. And I would be like on, like right next to him with like no monitor and he would tell me how to like get marks and how to like judge the set and get marks off of physical props and furniture and just like we did a whole pilot show i think it was like eight episodes and i didn't use a monitor at all i just pulled off of the knob or on like a fizz if it was handheld and then he would just give me like note like you know he'd just like touch the focus like you would back in the day to help dial me in and help me get marks. And it was just really helpful in that and like building my confidence in that way. And then I just started to just trust those methods. And then it just becomes, you know, like physical memory, I guess at a certain point. But that was like a huge like block of time where I was like, this is the system, this is how it worked forever. You know, he shot on film, all this stuff for like you know, 25 years or so. 
So just being like confident and like this is like a base, very solid, like trial proof system that will help you uh, keep things in focus and like organize the camera and all that stuff. So that was like a huge part of my life was our careers, just having Greg like give me that opportunity, but also have my back. That's fantastic. Instead of just throwing you straight to the wolves and being like, do it or don't. Right. And I mean, that's terrifying. You know, be like a 12 to one and you'd be like, all right, like, get your, like tell me what you need. <laughs> so did he come up as an assistant then? Because I feel like from my experience working with operators, the operators that have come up as assistants are very aware of like what, you know, marks the second AC might need to put down or specifically what marks the first AC might need for focus. And they're very aware of that and very helpful with that. And I've worked with other operators who, you know, came from being like a dolly grip or just came straight into the business as an operator. And they don't really, not, not, not all of them, obviously that's, that's blanket statement, but some of them that I worked with, it's like, they're not, they don't even think about marks. They're just like, Hey, we're just, here's, what we're going to do Let's do it. And then you're rolling and you're like, okay, I guess I'm coming in blind. You know what I mean? Every job I think helps is like you just the more that you've done, you know, got off the chain, the more that you know like what everybody needs and what everybody's thinking about. And it just helps you become like a department head or an operator or DP because you're kind of more aware of like what everyone needs. And if you're like efficient and know how to do handle all that stuff, it's not that hard to like be able to get everybody get what they need. And um, also as a camera assistant, you need to be vocalized if you're not getting the time to get your marks and do all the stuff, you know, talk to the operator, talk to DB, talk to the AD and say like, you know, this is a really hard shot. I need to get this. Uh, you know, I know we're only going to get a couple takes and I just want to make sure it's all good. And that's totally like within reason, but people know that that's okay. And people need to like teach things like that. And also like, it's great when you have an operator who has done all that job and can like help you with all that stuff and have your back and also teach you these, you know, small nuances of like communicating on set. Right. I'm looking at your IMDb and I see you've done a lot of features and, and TV shows. Do you ever do commercials or, I mean, I don't, I've never worked in LA, so I don't know you know, how the balance of commercials versus features versus television is there. I'm sure there's a lot of everything, obviously, but um, do you do commercials or do you just mainly do TV I mostly do TV movies. Um, uh, I, do, I still will do commercials in, in between work. Um, a lot of DPs that I work with just shoot commercials. Um, but yeah, there's like a lot of variety out here, which is nice. There's obviously just a ton of TV with everything going on. Um, but there's still a good amount of commercials and, you know, I like those are like a couple days, one day, um, nice and easy. And, you know, if it gets crazy, you're like, oh, it was only like two days. So it's not really going to bother me too much. Right. <laughs> and I'm looking at, you know, you mentioned that you worked on, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, obviously that's a comedy. Uh, did they do a lot of improv on that show? How do you, as a first AC approach when they decide they're going to improv, do you? Have a, do you have like a mindset that you put yourself into where you're like, all right, now I've just got to grip the Preston tighter and see what happens? Or? Uh, that show definitely um, obviously does a ton of improv and everything, but um, it, the sh that show's more hard because the operators are handheld on zoom lenses, which they have like free reign of how tight or how wide they can go. And generally we would shoot it with, you know, we shoot three cameras all the time and to be like, one camera wide, like 50-50, and then two cameras like cross-shooting either groups. And then everyone goes in tighter and starts getting like overs and, you know, 
split shots and all that kind of stuff. And then you just keep going tighter and then the scene's over. But, you know, that show would have pretty camera-friendly blocking just so it could be lit and shot three ways and be really fast and efficient. Um, but it was just, you had to communicate with your, you know, with your operator and be like, hey, are you going to, like, tag this? Or are you going to, like, swingle to this person or whatever? And just being, like, aware of that they're going to do. And, um, you know, it was nice and easy when they could just punch in and you get a mark real quick and all that kind of stuff um, to be ready for, for basically anything. But it was a constant conversations with the operators and ACs on that show of, like, what we're going to do and who we're going to go to and all that kind of stuff. So it was nice. The improvs, you know, weren't too hard. It was just more of like, are they going to laugh? And like, it's okay if like the camera starts shaking, they're laughing, then like you can laugh because the shot's already ruined. That's funny. But they loved it. They would like, all the actors just wanted to break all the operators basically all day. And then Andy just wanted Andre Brower to laugh during a shot. That sounds like a really, really good work environment. Honestly, it was pretty fun. (laughs) It's interesting, though, that they use because that's a very similar filmmaking style to like Parks and Rec. Right. So I just worked on a show two years ago or a year ago. I don't know. COVID's really messed up my timeline. But there's a there's a series on, on Fox right now that's airing called Welcome to Flash that I worked as a second AC on uh, whenever we shot it. I think of a year ago. Um, but we had the same filmmaking style, but they actually the operator, the DP and the operators uh pulled their own focus so i wonder why they you know what what, how does it how does a show decide like is it because the dp the dp says well no i'm gonna pull my own focus or is it like who makes that decision where they're gonna hire first acs you know to pull focus for 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 like a documentary style show like that um i I think it it comes with the dp um i'm sure that was like geo's decision of how to run and have a camera assistant for every camera um, he comes from just a very traditional shooting. He was actually like an electrician and gaffer before he became a DP. But um, I think it's just, it, that was just what it required, I think, to be really fast and really efficient. And that show became a show that, you know, we could get a date 10 pages done in like eight hours or less. Um, just the way we could light and the actors are okay with how we blocked them and all that kind of stuff. And then you just know, like, you know, and the style of that focus point, I think it's different than Parks and Rec. Like the Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a little bit, it's not as documentary style. It's more like, I feel like candid, but um, it's not like constant zooming and like just being like your own operator. I think you get a sense of that more on like the office and Parks and Rec, but at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's, it still seems more like a traditional like single camera show. So when you, when you, you take a job. Do you prefer a job like Brooklyn Nine Nine, where you're kind of they're improving sometimes, and you're they're handheld, and you're you know kind of having to look around and and you know be on your A game with the focus pulling, or do you prefer a, uh, like a feature film that's more well planned out, where you know the art the shots are a little more artistic, and you know you get more time to be more artsy with the focus pulling. Um, I think it's they're both similar. I I think variety is the best part of the job, and um. I think we're blessed with the ability to like go do a show like that, but also maybe get offered a more traditional show and then get like asked to do a feature or like a music video and whatever. And I think that's like more important to me is just having variety and not just trying to do the same things over and over. Because even though it's like, oh, it's a film set, we're still like locations, different people, blah, blah, blah. But if you're on the same show for a million time, it becomes like the same thing like every day, technically. But 
you know, you might just be at a different place. So I think for me, I like variety. I like changing things up. But I'm like a freak and I love super hard shots and like super technical camera moves. Like I just really love that stress and figuring that stuff out. I like just absolutely like have fun doing that. Yeah, it's a great feeling when you do a tough shot and you nail it. Yeah, it's just fun. (laughs) So completely changing directions here. You know, us ACs in the business, we work long hours traditionally. How do you how do you balance your like work life? Like, you know, your work, non-work life balance. Do you have like, do you still have friends that you had before you got in the business that are still friends of yours? Or do you now have like, are most of your friends like other people who work in film because you all can understand each other? Um, yeah, a little bit so. Like obviously moving away from home, you you know, you lose some more intimate like friendships and stuff. But I still talk to a lot of good friends. Justin Simpson and I have a like a best friend that we still talk to in Michigan who's like, you know, an engineer or something. He does something completely different, and um, I still have a lot of friends. Most of them, I would say, are film-related. I have um, other friends that you know was were just in high school with or whatever that I know, and you know some random friends from like climbing gyms and whatever things like that. But um, I like there's definitely a point in my life where I was like, I just need to keep working and like finding the jobs, and I was getting really burnt out just like not having a life and I'm like I'm in California I love like hiking camping climbing riding motorcycles like all that stuff is so much fun to me so I'm really good about like working three or four months then taking like three weeks off and going on a motorcycle trip up to Montana or you know doing some dirt bike riding in Utah and things like that and um you know, recently gotten into jiu-jitsu and I basically am like, I don't want to work because I want to go train. So I have to like figure out, <laughs> like, all right, I got to figure out how to keep this in my life. And um, that stuff, like, I still think the job is still a job. A lot of people like think of like camera assisting as like their way of life, I feel like. Some people are really invested in it and that's like their thing and it's awesome for them that they do that. But for me, it's still a job that I really enjoy and I wouldn't want to do any other job, but I also have a lot of things that I just like to do for me that this job allows me to do and gives me the freedom and flexibility to do that, whether it is to, you know, have take time off or be in between jobs and also like, you know, seeing places when you film there and be like, well, I want to come back here and like camp. So, so I, I really think that it's important to keep the things that you love outside of work and keep investing time in them because, you know, it can obviously just get overwashed really quick. And it's crazy because it's always so cool. Everybody you meet on set has like some crazy, insane talent or like hobby. And you're like, oh, wow, you like do that? That's super cool. I want to know more about that. And they're like, oh, you know, I have a hard time doing this, but it's really cool to like hear, I feel like to talk to people and hear what they really do outside of work and trying to like make that happen for them. I feel like that's thing that i enjoy yeah i feel like for me i have gotten so invested i feel like you know working in the business you 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 spend so much time at work and i don't i mean i probably work like eight or nine months out of the year and when i used to have like before i got into the business and i had like a nine to five job i felt like my home life i i was able to like relax and have a good time and like sit around and feel good about it and because I spend so many hours at work now and I've invested so much of my like my time to a film set, now when I'm off work for the first like week, I love I love it. And then and then after about a week, maybe two weeks, 
I, re- I get really antsy. And so that's why I'm always like trying to find new things to do to like entertain myself. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> like I need, I have, I have lots of hobbies because I just have be- become such a, like a, uh, I just have to be doing something, you know? And I think the I think the business did that to me. Yeah. There's, that's a huge thing for us is like, we're, you know, full speed all day for hours on end and then we go home on the weekend or whatever and we're like oh i gotta do laundry and clean and we're so used to just doing things efficiently and quickly that you're like oh i like did everything that i needed to do in like an hour and now what am i going to do for the rest of the day and it's really weird yeah. it's, it's hard to turn that off it's like if you get off work like if you're working like a, a weird random day where you shoot three pages and then you get off work before the sun goes down like I get home and I feel almost like uncomfortable. I'm like this is, I, shit, I'm in the wrong place right now. I know that sounds funny, but it's actually true. Like I literally feel weird sometimes if I get home and the sun is up. It's strange. It's just not normal. But it's also kind of sucks that that's not normal. But um, <laughs> it, 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 it does suck that's not normal. But but the only advice I can say is I'm very good at turning it off when I get home. I'm you know, unless there's something crazy that needs to be worked out, I'm very much like, all right, I'm done with work. I don't need to think about work anymore. Um, you know, let's, let's figure out something else to think about. Um, that's, I mean, maybe a form of meditation or whatever that is, but it, I'm very good at turning that switch off. Speaking of turning a switch off, I'm just looking out my window right now, and this is, has nothing to do with film, but there, I live right next to an airport, and the Blue Angels just flew by so close that I could see the numbers on the sides of the airplanes. That was really cool. That's pretty sweet. I got slightly distracted there for one split second. <laughs> Nick Brown getting distracted. <laughs> you can probably hear them flashy. Right um, that loud sound oh, yeah, is the Blue Angels. Um, um, do you have any? Do you do you have any future goals? You know, beyond pulling focus. Do you want to be a DP? Do you want to be an operator? What do you? Or are you happy? You know, pulling focus. What do you? What do you think? I'm pretty happy pulling focus. Uh, I just still enjoy the like hands-on problem solving, being in the trenches type of stuff. I, I just really enjoy that part of the job. Um, I like, um, I like pushing cards and like working at, at, during the day and all that kind of stuff. It's um, just something that's keeps my body moving and my brain is very active and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, obviously just continue to work with like new DPs and new crews and you know, being able, having opportunities to go to cool places is kind of the goal. Um, but just figuring out how to continue the lifestyle and work with the, you know, people that I enjoy with and be able to do this as long as I need to. And um, I, I can't really complain at the moment. You know, it's, um, I've been very lucky and blessed and I've had great opportunities. And, um, you know, I put food in my plate and I have a place to stay and I enjoy doing what I need to do. Um, you know, that's fine with me. You know, at the end of the day, I think that uh, I could definitely work as a second AC for the rest of my life or any AC position. You know, obviously I want to move up. I'd love to operate, you know, maybe DP someday, but we just have such a great job. I think I could just stay where I am if I had to and I'd be happy. Yeah. I think maybe one thing would be fun would be to maybe direct at some point. I think I would enjoy that out of like, instead of operating or being a DP. Um, but that's, you know, who knows what that is. Uh, I could see you directing. I feel like you could definitely talk to actors. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other, you know, future goals? 
I guess a goal always to work with would be, you know, just shoot more film and try to hold that, you know, way of filmmaking a little bit longer, keep that going. Well, I feel like it's coming back. I feel like there's more and more directors like year by year that are, you know, fighting for to start shooting more on film. I just want like every camera assistant to have worked on a film set at some point with actual film. It's just, I think it's super important um, situation to work in. Well, I hope it. I hope that you know eventually something comes to Charleston that wants to shoot on film, and I get the opportunity because, like I said, I've done a. Uh, I did a music video with some friends, and we shot on thirty-five, which was awesome. But it was just a couple days, and only for you know a couple specific shots. So I didn't really get to have the full like filmmaking experience with actual thirty-five millimeter film. So I'm sure that it's in my future at some point. I'm sure at some point it'll happen. It's just crazy. You know, I guess one like disappointing, I guess, reality that I had was I started loading and being a second when it was all film. And I'm like, I really like this job because, or I want to be a focus puller because it's on film. And then by the time I became a focus puller, it was basically gone. And that was kind of a thing where like, oh man, you know, I was really looking forward to having a career um, on film. Um, and just like reliving those awesome experiences of making films and stuff but on film as a focus puller so i guess that's like one sad thing that i am like not super excited that has happened but i'm very grateful for you know the opportunities and everything that i've learned aside from that but that was like a thing as you know a loader i'm like oh man it'll be really cool to do that job you know it's very cool watching the focus pullers do all of that and it was something i thought that was definitely a goal that i wanted to get to well, you're there. You've been there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Cutway, I think that's it for me, man. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to you know do this with me. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus Puller at Work podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to hear each new episode as they drop. If you're interested in being featured on the podcast, please reach out to info at focuspolaratwork.com. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>